Welcome to Latte with a Lawyer, a podcast dedicated to bringing you the stories of some of America's most successful lawyers, figuring out what makes them tick, how they creatively solve problems, and how others aspiring to be them can follow in their footsteps. Here's your host, Jacob Wells. All right. Welcome to Latte with Lawyer. I'm your host, Jacob Wells. And today I'm really excited because we have a great episode for you. We're going to be talking with Cindy Phillips about her work with the Freedom Foundation. And I'm really excited to hear her unique uh, international perspective coming from Canada. So here's our guest, Cindy Phillips. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jacob. It's so nice to be here. Uh, Thanks so much for spending some of your time with us today. I have to ask you, uh, this question I ask everybody, since it is called Latte with a Lawyer, what is your beverage of choice that gets you fired up in the morning? Okay, don't hate me. It is not coffee. Uh, I'm really? a tea drinker uh, okay. from Canada, so I drink tea with milk and two sugars, and that's how I, I start my day. So what, what kind of tea? Okay, I'm, I'm all about black teas, um, specifically like an English breakfast is, is hmm. really like, I want a nice flavorful black tea. That's, that's how I, I start my day. Yeah. Awesome. So um, take us back to what it was like in Canada when you were in school, um, how you got interested in law in the first place and uh, where your beginnings came from. Yeah. So I, um, I grew up in Canada, um, spent my entire life there until I decided to go to law school. Originally, I was actually going to become a, a high school teacher. I knew from oh, really? a young age that I wanted to to be involved in people's lives and be able to help them at like, you know, the most basic level. And so initially I was going to be a high school teacher, realized I love kids, hated everything else about it. (laughs) Um, And so I decided that the next best option was to be a lawyer, um, get to help people in the same kind of way, um, really involved in their life and how, um, how their, you know, sort of daily, daily struggles are are, are, um, existing and, and what they're going through. And so um, I decided to go to law school. I ended up going to Liberty University in Virginia for law school, um, which was a great experience. Um, I graduated in 2018 and took the bar out here in Washington State. And I really didn't have um, any sort of inclination of what I really wanted to do. And when I found out about the Freedom Foundation and how they're like directly impacting public sector employees in Washington state, I knew that this would be a really good fit for me to be able to help people. And so um, I made my transition. I moved from Virginia um, over here to to Washington and I've been here ever since. Cool. So for uh, those of the viewers who don't know about the Freedom Foundation, can you uh, walk us through exactly uh, what they do and, and what it's like working with them? Yeah, so we're a 501c3 nonprofit um, focused on open public government um, and accountable government. And um, a a big focus of that is public sector unions. We assist um, public sector employees represented by unions in um, bargaining units to be able to refrain from union membership if that's their choice um, or or to to assist them um, as they go through the process of being part of a union um, or just simply being represented by their union. So we assist um, with legal matters and with other policy matters. Um, We touch on a number of areas, but the biggest thing is that we um, assist the the people who are struggling for for one reason or another um, to be able to assert their own uh, First Amendment rights. Amazing. Um, 
So coming from uh, Canada, I think it, you know, gives you a unique perspective. Um, do you think, um, you know, maybe, maybe that, maybe something else, is there anything that you've done differently that you think has made you successful in your career? Um, you know, like uh, anything not related to law, maybe something a little bit different. I think I find like uh, talking to a lot of lawyers, um, they're sometimes uh, involved in extracurricular things that, you know, might not be related to law, but give them that added edge coming from a different direction. Yeah, I would, I would say that um, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask this question is I volunteer with um, my, my local church. I'm actually one of the adult youth leaders. And so I spend a lot of time having super awkward conversations. I'm sure you remember <laughs> um, teenagers and young adults, they are yeah. still figuring out who they are and how to, you know, talk to adults and how to like be confident in who they are. And so right. um, doing that on a weekly basis has really been able to push me to be able to interact with, with people of all um, races, ages, genders across the board, um, because um, clients are not one size fits all, right? You are dealing with, with people who either have a ton of time, who are able to talk to you and who, you know, want to spend two hours on the phone with you explaining everything that's happened to them. And then you have other clients who are like, I am struggling so much. I'm working two jobs in addition to this job that you're helping me with. And I don't have time with, you know, with my kids and with my sick mother that I'm taking care of to be able mm -hmm. to like take this time. And I, I need you to be as efficient as possible. But um, having the experience of like spending time in conversation in community with the with these young people in my community, um, at my church, it's really been able to push me to, to be able to have those conversations and to um, work through, you know, one minute, I might be on the phone with a client who um, is taking care of their, you know, sick son or daughter. And then like 10 minutes later, I'm on another call for another case um, with a, a judge and opposing counsel and being able to like quickly transition between, um, you know, I'm in this scenario and I'm, I have my head in the space of like, I'm sympathetic. I am here to assist you versus like, I'm a zealous advocate for my client. Um, mm. That, that has been like the best experience for me. Yeah, it's really interesting you bring that up because one of the things I discovered recently that um, a lot of lawyers are using is improv, and it's kind of similar uh, in that respect because one of the exercises that I remember um, they went over was like, you know, as you said, uh, jumping from talking to your client and then um, talking to other lawyers, you have to talk to different people differently. So I think it's kind of similar uh, experience um, in that respect. Um, I was going to ask you if um were there any cases that that come to mind working uh with the public sector employees that you know were really meaningful to you anything that stands out yeah i have um two in particular um the first one that comes to mind is um a case um called ochoa versus seiu 775 it's still in the ninth circuit um so, you know, it's publicly acceptable, pardon me, accessible, people can go look it up, but Miss Ochoa, um, she takes care of a, a sick family member, she's an individual provider in Washington State, and um, an individual from the union came to her front door um, in 2016 and asked her to sign a membership card. Miss um, Ochoa said, 
I do not want to sign this card. Please go away. This person leaves and Mrs. Choa sees her writing on, on this iPad. And she remembers specifically calling out, please do not put my name on anything. And um, she comes to find out um, after the Janus decision, which is sort of fundamental to um, the First Amendment rights for public mm -hmm. sector employees that came out in 2018, she finds out in 2018, oh, I'm not required to um, pay union dues anymore. I don't want to do that. And then she finds out actually somebody in 2016, that person who came to my door, forged my signature on this card. Wow. Um, and so we were able to assist um, Ms. Ochoa by getting um, her money back, um, plus some damages, um, uh, payments out from the union. And and the, so now she's she's currently fighting the state to have the system change so that mm. this kind of scenario can't happen to other IPs. Um, these individuals work in their own homes, often with family or friends. And so they're not in a workplace where you, where they can, you know, talk to another coworker, or have a chat by the the drinking fountain or something like that. And, and so it's really difficult for them to find out either their rights or things that they can get changed. They, they don't know these things um, because they don't have access to this kind of information. And so being able to help Ms. Ochoa um, assert her rights and now she's continuing the charge to try and assist other IPs, I think is, is very impactful. Um, and it's been a pleasure working with her. Yeah, and wow. Then, yeah, go yeah. ahead. No, I was just, I was just gonna say, um, uh, and then uh, probably the second case that um, that I can think of is slightly different. So, um, in an, in our attempts to assist people, informing them of their rights, et cetera, we we often file um, public record requests, which are very similar to FOIA for the federal government. Um, so we submit those to Washington State, and we had submitted some requests to the University of Washington um, a number of years ago. And um, the, the union interceded and was trying to prevent um, the foundation from being able to get this information. Um, I was able to take that core, uh, pardon me, that case to the Washington State Supreme Court. And I won a decision 9-0, um, which granted us the rights to those records. Um, the records were being said that they were um, non-disclosable because they were, they were emails unrelated to the work, but the emails were on mm. UW servers. They were with a you know, name at uw.org um, email address. And so, so we were arguing, you know, if you send an email, um, there's a possibility that it can be redacted. But, you know, if you're sending from your work email, your work uh, is entitled. And if your work happens to be the government, then, then the public has a right to know what you're talking about. Um, and, and the Washington State Supreme Court agreed with us, um, and we were able to get those records. And so that was like probably the most exciting day of, yeah. of my entire legal career thus far. Wow. Um, slightly different than obviously individuals like Mr. Choa, who I get to help on a daily basis, but, but mm -hmm. still something um, pivotal that can really impact the way that other people obtain public records and and um, have access to the records that are made um, in Washington State. Yeah, uh, th that's really interesting because I'm, I'm curious about, um, you know, both of those cases have to do with public records, have to do with technology, right? Um, with Mr. Choa forging the signature. Um, how do we prevent these things and where do you think things are going in the future uh, to avoid stuff like this happening? Yeah, I think, sort of 
it's a twofold scenario. I think on the front end, individuals have, just need to be informed of their rights. And so organizations like the Freedom Foundation and like or other organizations throughout um, the country have, um, have an obligation and, and have been doing exactly this. They've been attempting to inform people of their rights. And I think as, um, as these organizations continue to push forward and continue to, to be able to spread their message widely, um, I think that, mm -hmm. that that is imperative, right? People, you know, can only assert rights they know about. The perfect example is um, your Miranda rights. Like the reason right. why so many people know about them is because it's on TV every single day, right? right. And so if we can get, um, if we can get, you know, First Amendment rights when it comes to to unions and public sector unions, if, if that kind of knowledge can be mm -hmm. widely spread, so that you know somebody who doesn't work. At a, a, a government job, but you know their mom does. They know about it, and they can tell their mom like that's exactly what we're looking for. So, so first, I think is that people need to know, and then I think second is that the government is here to serve the people, um, and so um, the idea that that they are not um, the best people to inform their employees and to inform the public of these rights is, is sort of asinine to me, and I, I think mm -hmm. that really they're similarly in, in an incredible position to be able to inform um, their employees of their rights. Um, and, you know, if they get a, a membership card, for example, right, the union says this person has signed this card, um, you know, take X amount of dues out, you know, do it by this date, then it would be so easy, like so easy for the, the government agency to send an email to their employee that says, hey, you know, it could be automated. It could just say, hey, we saw that this is coming out. Um, please confirm yes or no, that this is what you wanted. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the same way that if you want to donate to to some other organization or you want to pay extra to a retirement plan, all of those things, there are ways that the government confirms that that's exactly what you want to do. Um, and, and that kind of behavior could be so... Uh, such a small change, but it could it genuinely um, affect. So people like Mr. Choa would never miss these opportunities, right? And then, right. and then similarly, like if the government made sure that its its public employees knew, hey, when you're sending an email on your work email, it is public knowledge, right? If if those kinds yeah. of things were, were were better known, then then you know then there's less issues um, across the board, right? Then then it's clear. This is government property. This is what we're using. This is what we're doing. These are these are the exact systems we have in place um, to protect you as our employee. And um, I, I think that that with those two systems working together, right, agencies mm -hmm. and organizations like the Freedom Foundation, informing public employees and informing other United States citizens of this of their rights. And then the government actually doing its job to protect its employees. I think that combination would would make all of the difference. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think it's really interesting the example you bring up with the Miranda rights, because that's definitely very prevalent within um, media. So if we were able to get you know not just Miranda rights, but what you were talking about to be in a TV show, to be in a movie, um, and uh, you know just to educate people, I think it's a, it's a great step forward. And, um, is there anything, um, 
that you recommend people like reading to, to be informed? Like any, any books on this? Um, no books in particular, but obviously people can always check out the Freedom Foundation's website. Um, another great organization that we work with a lot is National Right to Work. National Right to Work also um, deals with private sector unions, so if you so if people have questions about that, but both of those places have great resources where you can find out more about the work that we do, um, what your rights are. Um, the Freedom Foundation specifically has a website called optouttoday.com where people can uh, <clears throat> look at their state, what job they work, what union they're part of, and find out exactly the information that they need to send in to change or what their rights are. All of that information is on there. Um, there, there's a lot of really great, um, electronic resources. Um, yeah, that's very helpful. Yeah. Amazing. And, uh, furthermore, if anybody's like really interested in our conversation and wants to reach out to you, uh, and get more information about you, uh, what is the best way uh, to do that? Yeah. Um, they can email me, uh, at sphillips at freedomfoundation.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Cindy. I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, this has been Jacob Wells for Latte with the Lawyer. Uh, I want to thank Cindy Phillips of the Freedom Foundation for joining us today. And uh, thanks to our sponsor, Motion Track without a K, that uses artificial intelligence and mobile app audiences to economically and quickly gather focus group research and data for trials and mediations. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thanks, Jacob. Have a great one.